Hello, my cute Jello Jigglers. Welcome to another episode of the ZRPG.net podcast, the only show dedicated to your favorite Legend of Zelda role-playing forum. I am your host and head admin, Queen of Hornets, bringing you some delightful content. Drink it up, babies. Take a sip of this quality stuff. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, featuring my beloved Tabasco, because I sure did. Please remember to share the podcast with your friends, and encourage other members to listen as it's being updated. Get those numbers higher and higher. Also, buy some merch. It takes a lot of money to look this cheap. And buying merch helps us offset some of our advertising and server costs. You can find ZRPG merch at society6.com slash ZRPG. In this episode, we will be continuing our 15th anniversary series with another roundtable. Thus far, we have had numerous interviews and articles, mostly about previous main plots of ZRPG and with some of our more influential members of the past. Please give them a listen or a read. We have been slowly working our way up through the years of the community and have just a few more tidbits to get through. After this series is finished, the format of our show will change to focus more on current elements of our community with occasional forays into history, roleplay, and who knows what else. Today, we will be focusing on the disciple, slaves, slash anything else that was happening at the time that we could find a way to loop in the plot, which was the RPG's final main story before the old site petered out into inactivity. There was mutants and mysteries and an Inception-esque thing going on with some search parties. We finally managed to use Termina effectively, only to make it into an edgy mess. Let's see what myths we uncover as we engage in some verbal scrapbooking. Hello, Zerpigs. I am so pleased to be bringing you yet another ZRPG roundtable. This time we are going to be focusing on the final main plot of old ZRPG called The Disciple. Today, joining me will be our largest cast of characters yet. So, of course, me, our head admin, the Queef of Horrors. And then we have... Me, Tab, the spicy bitch! And me, Tofubot, the baby. Uh, you have Slosher here, the creepy uncle. And of course, it's your friendly neighborhood master plan. So we are going to be guiding you through the most complex of the plots that we ever attempted. So during our A New Kakariko roundtable, Tofu, Tab, and I ended near where this plot began with the uh, supply run kind of being kidnapped and taken to this other land. So let's just start there, friends. So Tab, you and Tofu and ZA 
were the folks that were most intimately involved in this part of the plot. And this is really the jump off where the rest of the threads started to get involved. So tell me a little bit about how this progressed. Um, well, this was a little bit confusing because we had decided that we wanted, uh, how we wanted to structure these threads to happen is that we split our group. So the original group that got auctioned from Cornelia's auction in Fort Mobar, once they all got transported to Termina, each group was based in a cell that they were kept prisoner in. My character, Edale, and Zelda Addict's character, Darian, were put into a cell together, and I think it was cell number 41. So Barra was not part of the group that got captured because of his, like, fun teleporting boomerang. It was Kiara <laughs> that ended up getting captured and experimented on at first, and so she was in a cell with Minori, which was Slosher's character, one of Slosher's many characters at the time. Yeah, and... Minori, and I think we were with Cassandra, weren't we? Yeah, oh. Cassandra. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Nighthawk. We also had <laughs> a really prominent member at the time. Their character that was in the confined life part of the plot was Azora, as well as Maya, and they and a Gerudo, I think. So they had two characters that was in the uh, the slaves portion. So there was a group of folks that were kidnapped during the caravan and then some other folks had been already captured by the Moblins. So the Moblins sold Princess Corn, sold them to these Wizrobes that were really mysterious. So what was kind of the vibe? What was happening down there at the bottom of the stone tower? The experimentations didn't start right away. Everyone that got captured was just kind of thrown into cells and we just thought we were being held prisoner. We didn't know, like the characters didn't know if they were being held hostage or like for ransom. They didn't really know what was happening until they started getting taken out of their cells one by one. And that was pretty horrific. Like that vibe was pretty scary. I remember my character got taken away and thrown down a well. Being a Zora, the Wizrobes thought that she needed to be in water, but the only water they had was a big, deep, nasty well at the bottom of Stone Tower. So they threw her in there to keep her prisoner in there. Uh, Minori was force-fed a bunch of potions, part of her process of turning into mutant, I guess. And she was high for most of it, actually. I think she had no idea what was going on. Kiara got into a little bit of trouble while she was a prisoner, as you would expect. She was hallucinating one of my old, like, NPCs at one point. She ended up, like, having sex with one of the captors. His name was Zelgius, but at one point she was moved out of that cell or was, like, being transferred or something, and she ended up, like, seducing this, like, high-ranking officer. So essentially, Kiara just had sex the entire time she was in prison. <laughs> yeah, she loved, you know, she had her interests. This Boy, entire thing was <laughs> such an interesting tonal shift. A new Kakariko was so wholesome, but then it kind of ended on this bittersweet note. And then there was this year time gap almost where everybody was being tortured and experimented on. And it was just brutal. Like we had never mm -hmm. gone that dark in ZRPG before. Pretty brutal. Like there was one scene in particular, I remember my characters, she was a Zora with tentacles. And what they had done was they chopped off her tentacles, put them into jars of potions, experimented on them, and then attached them back to her head. And oh, wow. she was 
forced to watch her cellmate, Darian, who she was slowly starting to form like kind of like a Stockholm syndrome bond with, get euthanized essentially. But since Darian was actually a redead character and no one really knew that he was actually a redead, he pretended that he had died when really he was still alive. It was a bunch of very logical torture. It was a pretty dark thread on the team. And so at the end of that year, they were all pretty psychologically damaged. And that's where the rescue happened. Let's go into Sharptail. How did this happen? Sharptail kind of came after TMP's thread Mutton Stew. Yeah, it was a murder mystery. And my character, Ward Bronson, had met your character, Kyo, the San Sharptail. Did I say that right? Kyo? Yeah, Kyo. My characters had met doing that. Essentially, they both answered a quest ad and decided to head to Ordon Village. But then... <laughs> They got captured by man-eating Deku's. <laughs> uh, they got saved by Zodi, who was the Sheikah's Dark Nut, like a, a Wind Waker-style canine Dark Nut. Yeah. And the three of them went to Ordon, where they met Vivian, who wanted to put together a rescue party to, to rescue the slave that had been captured uh, in, in A&K. Yeah, pretty much. It was the, the quest was actually all of Vivian's idea. She, um, I think she was like the daughter of like the Garden Orden. And then when the slaves passed through, she thought it was fishy. But since you know she had no authority, she couldn't do much of anything. And and then when they went through, she's like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna do something. And that's when she came up with this idea. And unluckily enough for our characters, they ended up recruiting Kyo and. Or, uh, war. And Keo learned, learned that her junior, Minori, had also been captured, so that's why she really yeah. wanted to go. And then Ward kind of <laughs> secretly liked Keo. He's like, well, if she's going, then I'm going. Perverts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and their, their only lead was to to go after the caravan that went towards the southern swamps. And that's that's how the, that odyssey started, just heading towards... Uh, Fort Montblanc. Yeah, it was a really interesting scene. So, as as we mentioned before, I created this Moblin princess. Ward <laughs> and Keo and Vivian, etc. They all showed up at Fort Mablarg and Princess Corn like invited them to a tea party, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Well, what happened was. They actually got caught up in the war between the Moblins and the Lizzlefoes. And they got captured by this this bro Moblin. <laughs> oh yeah, Broski. Who, who, who wanted to invite them to a kegger. <laughs> and so they were like, all right, well, I guess we'll come. And then they went and then they got captured instead. <laughs> yeah, and then Cornelia forced I... them to have tea with her. <laughs> oh my God, I remember that tea party when they she had like a Deku hung up upside down and then it would pluck its leaves for the <laughs> for the tea <laughs> tabasco do you remember what made princess cornelia go insane well um so in this rescue party i had actually incorporated um ideo's brother auric who he was kind, he's kind of a womanizer so he there was a scene at one point when he joined the group where uh, Keo and Vivian were getting naked in a hot spring and Ward and Simon were spying on them and it turns out that Auric being Azora was already in the hot spring and he was spying on them. He almost got murdered at that point, but he was a, he joined the group 
so he had been kind of tagging along with this rescue group and then at Fort Mobark during the tea party he was trying to hide in the kitchen and the only place he could hide was Cornelia's giant teapot and so he, he was almost boiled alive in the teapot until they brought it out in the little ceremony and he couldn't stand it anymore and so he burst out of the teapot just as Cornelia was about to pour the tea and she lost her shit. She ran around and smacked all of our characters with a magic mirror <laughs> that teleported us to Termina. <laughs> the quest continued. It was absolutely I... wild. <coughs> and so that so they got there right before the year time skip happened. And then Yeah. So we spent a year traveling around Termina going on adventures, all all different kinds of crazy things. Ward met his his Termin Terminan counterpart. And so that was a whole thing. Kiyomet, Kismet. <laughs> Kismet. <laughs> like they solved some sort of mystery in the meanwhile, too, with, in Clocktown. It was so much fun. So shenanigans happened, and then they finally learned of where camp was. They go to rescue people, but then Vivian's brother was Slosher's <laughs> other character. And this starts in motion this whole other plot so we already are like three levels deep now we're balls deep back in hyrule like it's not in this one with um oh god vivian's brother shark it's not in termina this one's taking place back in hyrule so there's two main plots in termina and the other one so vivian is searching for the caravan because she thought it was unethical that they got scooped up and now there's a separate search party searching for vivian Slasher, do you want to talk a little bit about what this was? Yeah, well, actually, a bit before uh, Shark Fucks, there was another thread called the Gerald Layden Affair. Remember that? Oh, thing? that's one of my favorite threads on ZRPG. And I think this is a thread where um, it started the motion of the revival of the Disciple. And the, the main plot of this was oh, that right. they were supposed to de- de- deliver some drugs in some, like, isolated, vil- like, little miniature village on top of Death Mountain, like somewhere in the mountain ranges. And they get there and you find out that like, it's like this weird community. They're, they're kind of a cult. They believe in, in a goddess that doesn't really exist. Not one of the three main goddesses. I forgot Megami. what was her name. Uh, Megami, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> there, there was a huge statue of her in the mid- middle of the village. And the dude leading the village, uh, some way past he was... Yeah, he was some artist, but he also had some kind of power that he inherited from uh, the disciple, which was to all his sculptures that he would create, he'd be able to turn them into um, living beings. And that thread happened where they were trying to get out of there, going like, oh, what's going on? And as, as the thread concluded, Shark stole this scroll of his that belong to the disciple and that's where it kind of started to connect with the main plot because up to this point it was kind of its own thread once the time skip happened that's when shar gets a a letter from his mom who he's estranged with but she decided to get into contact with him telling him that hey your sister's missing i've tried everything you know you're good at finding shit so i'm turning towards you and you know he as much of an ass as he is, he loves his twin sister, so he formed his own search party. Yeah. And that turns into the thread called Shark, Fox, and Dunk Cabin. It was... So, Shark starts a search party 
and goes and like harasses ZA's character Kiva in her potion shop. <laughs> I was reading over the thread last night and it's just so funny. So Shark is this gangster. He's so misogynistic, hilarious, <laughs> like cool. And so he gets together like a band of people to go help him find his sister. But then like they align themselves with some like shady merchant or something. <laughs> then drama happens. <laughs> Didn't you have yes. Pell join so as well? So that was when I had Telus Sid, who is the caravan guard for the merchants. She saw everything happen. So like the merchants were trying to frame Shark's party, I think for doing something shady and they were trying to kill Kiva Azie's character and then Pal was sitting up on the hill and saw everything happen and then kind of came down and stopped it all from happening and then joined up with them on their mission to rescue Vivian. Right, then they head to the forest where they started looking. Yeah, and there was like there was all kinds of weird characters and it was such crazy drama that happened. I remember like Silano's character, some possessed guy, and there was like oh, drama. And so we got to the Lost Woods, and Pell, she was scouting, and she comes across a Keaton, and the Keaton says that he saw Vivian. And so she goes and tells right. Shark and the rest of the party, and then they go into the Lost Woods. Right, right. And I think that's when the whole insane side story of the. Uh, forest olympic game started where <laughs> <laughs> they met this call kid that's like yeah i'll take you to this keaton but you gotta like win the olympics first <laughs> and i think this is when a lot of players dropped i remember this one one player I forgot. What, was it leon i think it was him he got mad because he's like well i joined an epic quest and this turned into like ridiculous shit i'm not I'm yeah not. it was really it turned really goofy <laughs> <laughs> That kind of sounds like a lot of your... <laughs> like the most threads. <laughs> yeah, he should have read my past threads. All of a sudden, like, <laughs> I mean, this is just advice to all you newbies out there. This is how you get rid of the edge lord. Just make a fucking forest Olympics happen. Yeah, I just remember, like, <laughs> we just kept one-upping each other with the game. <laughs> making them more and more ridiculous. It was me and you, Slasher, and VA and Spirit of Hyrule. What are some of the events that you can remember? Uh, one of them, they had to do a boat yes. race around like the swamp, but you had to build your own boat, right? And Shark being like <laughs> the city, like he just sucks, right? So they started working on it and they have like the worst thing ever. Like it, it's barely floating. And Pell, she took like four Deku scrubs and knocked them oh, yeah. out and then them together. <laughs> I remember that. She basically like turned it into a motorboat. And then threat of losing the Olympics is when you lost the event, you would get put a pit of poop or something. Ah, uh, yes. The disciple, the darkest <laughs> man plot in history. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was uh-huh. so goofy. And then so we went, they, they won the Olympics eventually. And yeah. then they go and meet the Keaton. Silano, he his like character gave some like weird mysterious prophecy and then uh Kiva, she 
did something. I don't remember. Small. And then Shark, right as he's about to be like, yo, where's my sister? See? And so this thread, like, took about a year to get there. And nobody knew this. But this NPC I was playing, she steps forward. And then she starts transforming into this evil witch creature. Disciple, Mm -hmm. she had these void black eyes with white pupils. And she, but as an NPC, she had war in her disguise, as Pellis said. She had, like, a staff and, like, a cute little necklace and, like, this cape of gray feathers. Cape Mm -hmm. turned into, like, this long, flowing, black, inky hair. And her staff and necklace turned into, like, this evil, like, witch's broom. And she basically tricked all of them into playing into her resurrection spell. So everything up until then had been her manipulation. When the merchants tried to betray Shark's group and tried to kill Kiva, she was secretly using her magic to manipulate the merchants to kill Kiva so she could replace Kiva in the party. But that didn't work, so she shifted her thing. And then she was working with the Keaton to try and lure them into the Lost Woods to, like, this nexus of power. And then she stole the scroll that Shark had gotten from from the the mountains mountains, and used it to resurrect her sister who was her sister was killed to seal her power or something i don't remember the exacts of it so and then she just kind i just kind of dropped this huge surprise on them what what did you feel eddie like having this happen like i didn't really give you any forewarning yeah i was so shook i was like what like i i was like expecting to find like a clue for vivian and now this happened now i'm like oh this thread is like really connected to the main plot now it was gonna always be like a side thing for me like okay shark is gonna look for a sister but now like the thread plays a huge role in the main thread because indirectly shark pretty much revived uh, the disciple so yeah. it's, it's just funny. <laughs> what an asshole <laughs> It was brutal. Like, she manipulated them into fighting all these people so that she could gather this energy and then resurrected herself and then kind of, like, poofed. you we haven't really given a whole lot of background to the Disciple. I don't think our listeners know what role she played because she is actually a remnant from the Cult of Din. Origins are like she this this was our tie-in to the previous uh, main plot. So, like how the cult of Din started at all, and then it moved into a new Kikariko. This plot brought those like things all together. We had this idea that if we that we could really kind of revive ZRPG, and after A and K ended. ZRPG was kind of in this like Wild West phase for a while where we really played that many players and we didn't really have any kind of unified story going on. There weren't really that many threads happening. It felt like Slosher was running all the threads that we had. We had this idea that if we created a really powerful villain to unite against, then it would kind of help us just kind of solidify the storyline and bring who we had left all back in together into into a new plot line. Yeah. And, and 
And this is where we provide CRPG activity. Yeah, and this is where we saw a bit of a challenge of the main plot line where uh, like we'd have a lot of people jump in and then vanish. So mm-hmm. I think that's what made the the main plot stick so long is spikes in activity and then no one posting for a while. Right. So we we were trying I think a lot of what we adjusted in the plot was to kind of take into account people disappearing and try to push the story forward regardless. And, and there were so few players playing to actually drive the plots. It felt very horizontal. We had lots of simultaneous stories happening at the same time, but but in terms of actually progressing the story, we... So the Disciple being this unifying aspect. So as a child, Salazar started the Cult of Din. He prophesied that this child would emerge that would rival Ganon's power. He found this child and sealed her power in her sister and then killed her sister and then had the child be raised by this inner council of the cult of Den, these whiz robes in Termina. Mm. Like they, he had her sent away because her power and, and Tab, me and you really worked on developing this was kind of like she consumed. We kind of hyped her up to be the, the next Ganon if Ganon wouldn't be resurrected. So that's why Salazar with his motives lying directly in resurrecting Ganon, he wanted to eliminate any other threat that could oppose him. That's why how he found out about this, this power child, suppressed her power and wanted to keep her in the inner circle so he could keep an eye on her and make sure that she never could overthrow Ganon. Um, yeah. That's why they called her the disciple. So at the end of Occult of Din, they succeeded in pulling out Phantom Ganon, Ganon's puppet. When Phantom Ganon was destroyed, his mask survived. And so the Cult of Din was totally destroyed. And this inner council of Wizrobes got the mask. The disciple, he took the mask from her Wizrobe teachers because she kind of tricked them into letting her be near the mask. And so she took Phantom Ganon's mask and that allowed her basically to gain puppet powers. Like she could control other people the way Ganon controlled Phantom Ganon. So she she used those to take over the remnants of the Cult of Din and then use them to grow her power over the next few years. So She still wanted her source of power back though. That's yeah. how she we- she weaseled her way into Shark Fox Dun Cabin so she could manipulate the turn of events to go her way, resurrect her sister, not only have puppetry magic, but also her original magic, making her a true villain, like a true yeah. like source of power. And don't forget that she also wanted to uh, turn all of the slaves in Stone Tower into her army of yes. wanted so what she wanted was like not only did she want her power but she wanted to overthrow Hyrule like she had the motives as Ganon so in order to do that she needed an army so the whole basis behind Stone Tower and the slave camp as we called it to do this she kind of had her agents that were running the slave camp in Stone Tower so there were the whiz robes were kind of the overseer and then she had resurrected a few of the dead cult of Din members from earlier making them into her slaves because they were like oh my gosh we're we're in this slave camp why is the slave camp happening 
And so Shark Fox Dunn Cabin happens and she reveals herself and then everything starts falling into pe- into place. And meanwhile in Termina, uh, our characters that are present, they start mutating and maybe be cool to talk about uh, what each mutation our characters received as the mutations progressed on these prisoners they were forced to battle against each other yeah with each new mutation or as they unlocked their mutations and their powers they were forced to fight against each other and so that unlocked a whole lot of emotional trauma as well so so menorah's mutation eventually um you know she was never born uh, a witch or anything like that she never had magical power but her mutation kind of forced her into being someone who has access to magic, but her magic worked in a way that her fingers were turned into paintbrush. Uh, she was an artist by trade. She discovered that she could, with those paintbrush fingers, she could draw something and she could magic it into existence. You know, either a creature or an item, but it was very hard for her to do. Uh, she almost died a couple of times just trying, attempting it. And uh, even once she had the mutation, I think it took several threads before she was able to actually do anything useful with it. So that was her power. I remember once in the pit when she was forced to fight, she created a weapon for was it was it for Kiara? She yeah, she made an axe for mm-hmm. Kiara to uh, to kill a Dodongo or something. What yeah, was you it? You were fighting, fighting a Dodongo, a giant Dodongo. And if she didn't focus on the on the object itself, it would just basically melt into goop. So that's most of her stamina went into maintaining the existence of whatever she would magic into reality. Bara went on this weird journey where he. Because his fairy was um, imprisoned and mutated on, he then had to find a way to break into this into the camp and rescue her. So, Kiara's mutation was so originally she used to have these power bracelets that she stole from Shark, who uh, was her ex boyfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, uh, her mutation was basically the power bracelets were like distilled and then like somehow like. I don't know if they were just, like, injected into her, but, like, the energy of the power bracelets were, like, permanently affixed into her body. So her only mutation was, like, strength and dexterity. Yami's mutation was that, as a fairy, she could switch between, like, her normal small size and then into the size of a, like, Hylian. Bar's mutation was that he grew the ability to, like, nurture and grow plant life. I'm not sure, like, how that was going to be helpful for him, but... Yeah, it didn't really help anything when you're at the bottom of Stone Tower and there was no... Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his power was pretty useless. But it was helpful later, in the later threads, as we yeah. uh, I'll touch on Darian a little bit, since CA isn't here to speak for himself, but Darian's uh, power essentially was just amplified. Like, I think he had... Can someone clarify for me here? Did he have magic before? Mm-hmm. He ha- yeah, he had like some Kamehameha wave. Yeah, so essentially that was amplified. Um, Darian's powers, his magic powers were amplified. And it's like Eddie said, like he had like a Kamehameha, Kamehameha, whatever, sort of blast wave of energy <laughs> summon and command. Um, it, there was a bit of a situation where since Kiara and Minori were fighting a giant Dodongo and testing their powers that way, Selgius, the main Wizrobe head scientist, wanted to test the powers of Ideo and Darian against each other. Mm. Ideo's powers hadn't really 
manifested yet. She had had her tentacles reattached to her head, but she was traumatized. Like she, she couldn't form any power. She didn't know why this was done to her. So she was just crying the whole time. Darian and Ideo were pit against each other to fight. Darian did not want to fight Ideo because they were cellmates and they had kind of formed a bond. The Wizrobes tried to mind control him, but being redead, he resisted the mind control and he just kind of played along to keep up the act because he hoped that by resisting the mind control, he could somehow break them all free. Ideo <laughs> was useless. She, <laughs> uh, Darian, in this fight, Darian, really kicked her ass and this was how her powers finally manifested. Darian knocked her unconscious. When she fell unconscious, she turned into a kraken. The whole premise was that when she is overloaded with emotion or goes into sensory overdrive or gets knocked unconscious, she will turn into a monster. Her tentacles wrap around her and she just grows like 10 times her size and will just break down everything and eat everything and destroy it. <laughs> yeah, that's when we realized that Idel was the strongest. <laughs> but practically useless because she had no way to summon this power until she was like, you told her she sucked or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then she depowered yeah. when she got wet. Just what we need is a giant sea monster whose weakness is water. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then I guess um, meanwhile the Sharp Tail Gang was climbing down Stone Tower to uh, get to them. Yeah. So so Ede and Darian were doing this battle, and then my favorite NPCs emerged: the Skull Bros. I thought they came. Later. They came later. Did they? I thought they were supposed to be like undertakers working at the crematorium. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think they left with them. They rescued Oric or something at the end. Yeah, I think. yeah, they rescued Oric at the end. That's what ha that's what happened. So, so what happened was the slave rescue team, which was like uh, Ward, Kyo, Vivian, Simon. Uh, Zodi and Ulrich, uh, they all got, they all made it to Stone Tower and they had been traveling together in Termina, going on adventures, trying to find the slaves for a year. So they were like this mean fighting force. They were all organized. They had attack formations. They were like ready to go. <laughs> and then they get to Stone Tower and it's guarded by this, it, there's this guard tower guarded by six of the disciples' most powerful yes. mutants. And each one of them had was holding a different key, and it was basically this crazy X-Men super battle where we had to fight. We had to fight all of these different mutants with different powers uh, to get the gate open. All oh, right, right. Do you remember the mutants? What all of them were? Number seventeen. She was the undead Demos cyborg that could shoot lasers. <laughs> oh my god! God. There was. Iron, there was like the iron grip. He was the guy who had a Goron arm <laughs> just grafted onto him. <laughs> that was super powerful. Uh, there was the canine, I think, who had dog snout with really sharp teeth. I think there was like the, the fang or something. He had venomous powers. That was important later because Kyo actually got poisoned. And then we ended up having to find a cure for her after in the next thread. There was also a- There was the fat one. Yeah, Beta. 
There, there was Reagan. You know, he was based on a torch slug. Oric was the one that was fighting him, and he ended up getting burnt really badly because he tried to, like, attack him, and then Reagan was like, surprise, bitch, and then turned himself on fire and pretty much burnt Oric to a crispy fish. Poor crispy fish. That, that actually tied into another storyline that was parallel to this happening in Hyrule, where another one of my characters, Lydia, had joined up with Greffer the blacksmith, and they went up to Death Mountain to try to figure out why Greffer's metal supply from the Gorons had been cut off. And it turned out that there were some Wizrobes from Termina who were breeding super powerful mutant uh, torch slugs uh, in God. Death Mountain and then sending them through a portal to Stone Tower. Yeah. They had to shut that whole operation down. Yeah, and that's how Raken came to be. Also, wasn't Raken the name? Didn't I give it to him because it was a parody of a, another bad application or something? Oh, it must have been. <laughs> Awful, awful. So this epic (laughs) showdown happens at the same time. So they do the break, then the rescue happens, this epic showdown occurs, and it's just chaos. Yeah. (laughs) There was fighting on both sides, so the Sharptail was fighting on the outside, and the slaves were rebelling and fighting on the inside. Was it Kiara that went around and managed to free everyone because she slept with the guard? Probably. (laughs) Is that really how it happened? I believe that's how it happened. I think Kiara... Oh, yeah, Kiara had slept with a guard, something to that effect, I had escaped with Minori, and you guys went on and escaped yep. a, a rescue mission around the bottom of Stone Tower, freeing all the slaves so they could form the rebellion. Eventually, they escaped to a half-demolished, like, experimentation house, and they were all hiding in there, and they were trying to hide under a bunch of, like, because the guards were chasing them, and they were hiding. Eid got tangled in a bunch of shit and didn't know what was going on, so she panicked and turned into the Kraken and <laughs> exploded the house, uh, nearly crushed everyone, and immediately started chasing the slaves because she wanted to eat them. Yeah, and I think most slaves actually died. Yeah, Eid died. actually ended up killing yeah. more people than the rescue mission could rescue to fight the Kraken because they had no way of, they didn't have enough water to throw at her to bring her back to normal. The disciple, and uh, actually Kaylin was there, yeah. the disciple's agent, released the anti-defense, like his uh, the slave tower defense mechanism, which was, you know who it is, Kala. I don't. I don't remember. Yes, you do. It's the giant fucking bat. (gasps) Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) what what enemy species was that? Gomez. Gomez. It was the Gomez. So they had a captive Gomez, and it was the defense mechanism for if any of the slaves escaped, they could send the Gomez after them. And so they set the Gomez against Eid. Eid bit its head off and ate it. <laughs> and this is when the the kind of the two threads meet because at that point, the five alive, so the uh, Ward and Keo's group had started to defeat the mutants that they were opposed against and collected up all the keys. What happened then? We literally just bust in the gate and then the- Well, no, because they flooded. They flood, they, to defeat Eid Kraken, they end up like bursting a pipe and flooding the yeah. bottom of Stone Tower. Oh, right. Yeah, at this point, there was like barely anyone alive. I think Oric vanished into the water and we assumed him yeah. dead. Because uh, all the slaves point, had managed to come up from the flooded bottom and they- Besides Eid. Besides Eid. And so when Oric realized like, hey, there's- 
like all the slaves are and this is the rescue mission so where is my sister he dove to the bottom of stone tower to find her and that's when he got separated from the rest of the group yeah and the rest of the group didn't want to wait because kill was uh, poisoned she was like on the verge of yeah darian went down too to find eed but he couldn't find her it was work ended up finding her first and then so that's kind of the end of the confined life slaves disciple plot there basically because after that the rpg kind of petered out um in terms of activity but there was a thread that followed that that we'll cover in our next wrap up round table so the end of old zrpg one last hurrah for all of the people who who managed yeah. to stick around to the last legs yeah. of old zrpg yeah. cool thank you all for dedicating so much of your night to having this conversation all you new zrpg babies on new zrpg i hope that this was exciting for you to hear about it was definitely exciting for us to do like it was a really interesting learning curve because we wanted to try to have a decentralized main plot that was in so many different places so everybody that wanted to could participate it was it was cool but it was also exhausting and it was exhausting it was Uh, traumatic so many little details across like seven threads oh i cried so much yeah Yeah, good luck to all of you people (laughs) listening uh in terms of actually keeping track of all of the characters we're not even done yet so uh, but but um, there will be a test on this. Yeah, so. yes, so, yeah, for the test, there'll be a prize. I don't know what the prize will be. Oh yeah, we'll the prize is our song. <laughs> yes, the song. Oh god. <laughs> Can we sing our song, Chris? No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Queenie's Cute Corner, where we talk about what is cute and what's not. You know what I think is cute? Knights, such good wholesome children, upholding the classic values of Zelda community, doing character reviews, letting me shower them with motherly love, so pure, so creative. You know what I don't think is cute? Talking shit about teenagers. Anyone who has a problem with Gen Z can meet me in the Kmart parking lot tonight at 2300. Wear a mouth guard and bring your insurance card. You know what I think is cute? The ocean, tides, salt, great for my hair, peaceful. What's not to love? You know what I don't think is cute? Smelling like shellfish all the time because your city is, for some reason, built on a big, old, ugly crab named Kabu Kabu. How is anyone supposed to live their life when their house moves from ocean to ocean every season? How is that even economically viable? Get a life. Sea Punk died in 2012, honey. You know what I think is cute? puppies. You know what I don't think is cute? Grown men training animals to chase down law-abiding citizens just because they happen to have feathers. 
And then everyone's protective of the dog instead of the Rito, who was just assaulted by a ball of fur and fangs. It's deplorable and should be outlawed. This has been Queenie's Cute Corner. What a complicated journey we just went on. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, be sure to let them fly. Let those little fingers dance across the keys. You can check out the Disciple Plot on the ZRPG archive at zrpg.net slash forums. There's even a little guide for you. Check out the threads. You might find them entertaining. Our 15th anniversary series is growing near its end, and the last episode will be answering questions from the community. If you have a question about ZRPG's past for myself or any other of the admins, please private message us on the forum or Discord. This has been the Queen of Hounds, howling at the moon with you in the far distance. Remember, Good writing comes from good self-care. So remember to do some stretches, drink some water, and eat some veggies. Keep at it. I believe in you. Doing anything bad is far better than doing nothing at all. I love you. You're more brilliant than you could ever know. Till next time, be good for your internet mom and write your honking posts.